Welcome to a brand new episode of League of Legends with myself, Adam Carruthers. If this is your first time watching, it's where I get to sit down with some of our guests who fly in from the UK to talk not about the current game, but just about their entire career. Someone who literally landed, I would say, eight hours ago, nine hours ago, Aaron Lennon. Great yep. to have you here in Malaysia. It might be your first time, we're not entirely certain, but how are yep. you finding things so far? Uh, like you said, eight hours ago, so uh, big time difference. So literally, as I landed, managed to get a little bit of breakfast and a couple of hours of sleep to catch up to try get onto the time. But uh, no, it's been really nice. People have been great, uh, very welcoming, um, and enjoying the experience so far. Yeah, it's a long way to go. We got lots of matches to cover across the weekend. So before yeah. we look at that, before we go on TV live, let's discuss your career. Going back to the early days, you're originally from Leeds, yeah. right? Yeah, born Leeds. Yeah. How was childhood for you? I mean, was it a happy childhood? Were you always into football? Was that always the number one interest for you? Yeah, no, really happy childhood. Uh, and like I said, if you'd seen me when I was a kid, I had a football with me everywhere I went. Um, from three years old, I reckon, four years old, all I wanted to do was play football. Like I said, my older brother played football. My dad encouraged me to play football. And like I said, I was very fortunate because at the side of where I lived was an AstroTurf pitch, um, five-a-side AstroTurf pitch, and literally... If you wanted to find me, you would just have to go look there. Always there. Always there. Uh, your older brother, he was actually on the books as well, at, but yep. not at Leeds, at Manchester United, the yeah. rivals. Well, he was at Leeds originally first, originally. actually, okay. and then Man United. So, yeah, so yeah, two rivals. Um, but, yeah, he was there for maybe three, four years, uh, but it didn't quite work out. Um, but it was also great for me also because he used to get tickets and to watch United, so I got to also watch Man United as a young boy. Um, be from Leeds, you'd probably never get to do that and you're not supposed to do that. But um, yeah, it was also great to then also watch, get to watch Leeds and Man United uh, most weekends. Wore the roses and all of that. Yeah, uh, of course, yeah. Big rivalry. <laughs> Still to this day. Intense, an yeah. intense rivalry. Yeah. So remember when um, Jermaine Beckford scored, you were at Tottenham at the time, but yeah. it, was right, it was a cup game, I think it was yeah. 2011. Yeah, I remember I still, it. Yeah. I still remember that, even yeah. though it was so long ago Yeah. because of the rivalry. Uh, who did you support as a kid? So it's funny, like I said, I was I spotted Leeds growing up, and then as my brother, I shouldn't say this, but as my brother started to play for Man United, watch Man United, I started to enjoy watching Man United, let's put it that way. And I loved Ryan Giggs, as he was a winger, as the first like real out and out winger in them days. Um, so I really, like I said, I was watching Leeds and then enjoying watching Man United play also. Sacrilege. Yeah. That is sacrilege. <laughs> yeah. But he's a he's a left sided player. I mean, it, was there anybody else you looked up to that you idolised? Uh, growing up was the Brazilian Ronaldo. Oh yeah. yeah, I don't know where that started. Watching uh, Italian football sometimes on a Sunday after you've played yourself. Um, but they were my two favourites growing up: Ryan Giggs and then um, the Brazilian Ronaldo. Do you see what Mourinho said about him? No. If he didn't have his injuries, he would be considered the greatest player ever. Yeah, for me, it's, I felt like watching that. I studied him. I watched him every single week, and I've watched his DVDs. I used to watch him relentlessly. And um, like I said, without them knee injuries, who knows what he could have been? Because he was so young, and you forget, you know. Some of the stuff he was doing at that age in the big tournaments, um, like I said, if you take away his knee injuries, um, it's sad that we didn't get really to see what he probably could have been. Do you think he was a complete package as a striker? Because I think people don't realise quite how big he was, like height-wise. I think he's about six two, but he yeah. had speed, he had skill, and his shooting. Yeah, I think <laughs> he could, yes, I said I think he was a complete number nine. He could do everything. Um, like you said, he was big, he was strong, he was fast, but then he was also amazing with his feet. And he could score both feet. Um, and like I said, when he was on form, he was, he was unstoppable. Um, like I said, and I used to, I loved watching him play. Did you ever meet him? Never. 
Still to this day, he's one person. I'm not one of them people who gets like, oh, yeah. but I would, that's one person I probably would look, be a bit starstruck by and I'd love to meet. It makes me think of that Peter Crouch story where he saw Ronaldo on the beach. Okay. And he was a bit bigger. And he yeah. had like a, an ashtray resting on his tummy. Yeah. <laughs> and he was, I think uh, I've seen the, uh, the pictures. Yeah, I think he's, uh, he's enjoying life. I yeah. think we, we can safely yeah, say that. I think and he why has not? For a long time, actually. Yeah. He's, he's Ronaldo. He can do. Yeah, uh, he deserves it. Exactly. Um, what about watching Leeds United? Did, how involved were you with that? Um, so Manchester that, United and then Leeds? Yeah, and I was actually, I signed for Leeds at eight years old. So I was already on the Leeds books at the academy. So we used to be sometimes be the ball boys for the games. So you would literally be pitch side, which is also great because you get the full atmosphere, the experience of Ellen Road from a kid, really. So uh, amazing to grow up watching Leeds. And obviously Leeds in them, in them days were literally flying high. Yeah. Um, as I was that age, um, getting into the Champions League games, I remember, still remember them clearly. Um, so, yeah, amazing, amazing times. When it came to being discovered, how did that come about? Since you were on the books at the club from the age of eight, yes. how did they find you? So, just before then, I was playing for the, a local team and a player I used to play with uh, went from there to Leeds, he'd think, and his dad basically said, well, uh, if you like my son, I think you should look at this boy also. Yeah. And then he was literally, literally come up, have a weekend trial, come on, play the game, and I played on the Sunday, and literally by the Monday, they was like, we want you to be here. Were you very fast, even at that age, compared to...? Yeah, I was still one of the quickest then, so... Yeah, I was blessed with that. Like I said, my brothers are quick, my sister's quick, my dad was quick. Apparently my mum was quick, even though I'd never seen my mum run. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it, it runs in the family. Uh, you also have Jamaican heritage, don't you? Yeah, dad's... My full dad's size, full Jamaican, yeah. Thought so, and we know Jamaica yeah. Olympics, we've yeah. seen how fast they can be. Yeah, so I, I'm thinking it must have come from that side, even though my mum still tries to claim she was quick. Um, I'm saying it probably came from my, my dad's side. The, I, I might be wrong on this, but didn't your full England debut come against Jamaica, against Jamaica well? Yeah, yeah. I've had some really funny things like that because um, obviously my first league debut was with Spurs and then yeah. I went, ended up going to Spurs. And then like I said, for example, like I said I'm from, my dad's heritage is from Jamaica and like I said, my debut, full debut for England was um, against Jamaica. Yeah, it's just odd twist yeah. of events really in the way it worked out um but you're not just about pace do you think that when it comes to pace when it when people are talking about you that you wish they would talk about something else uh yeah i think you can get put in a bracket especially when you are quicker than most probably everyone else in them days there was a few of us who was really lightning quick and you get put in basically you're all about pace um like i said i think there's a lot more to my game than just pace um and i think that's one of the reasons i managed to play for so long in the the top league, if you're just quick, there's, there's a lot of quick players and there's a lot of quick people, but you have to have a lot more to your game than just pace. What else do you want to be recognised for in that case? I mean, um, you played over 300 times for Tottenham, didn't you? It's a yeah, lot of games. Yeah, yeah no, yeah, I played yeah, so loads and loads of games. Um, but like I said, I think I was a really uh, intelligent football player. I think I read the game really well. Um, I think I also helped defensively a lot in yeah. coming through, so it's changed now, whereas... The wide player is more or less the front player, whereas in my day, it was a lot, a lot of defensive work was put into, um, into the game and into my game, which um, I think I was really good at. So, um, yeah, no, I think, like I said, and I actually enjoyed playing in the middle a lot more, but um, I didn't get to do it that much. But I think when I did, I showed glimpses of what I could do by playing in the middle also. Persistence and hard work. I think that's one thing which is underrated about your game. Yeah. Like I said, I was always a hard worker. You came from Leeds, that was, it was demanded. Yeah. Um, we was hard workers. Um, but I managed to 
that's I took it into the to the next levels and to the next games. And um, I always did, even with training, I always tried to work as hard as possible every day. I, I after saying all that, I'm going to go back to the pace thing. Uh, you had some speed merchants during your time for Tottenham and also for England. Walcott, Carl Walker, yeah. uh, Gareth Bale. Gareth Bale's definitely another, yeah. Uh, who's who's number one? Uh, honestly, over short distance, I'm still saying I would win the race over the 20 yards, over yeah. the 30 yards. If it gets bigger, then um, Kyle Walker, Gareth Bale, I'd love to see that race. But yeah. I think Kyle might just edge it. Really? But I think it still have to be a long distance race. 50 yards, it would be tight. If you start opening it up to 100, 100 metres, I'd be very interested to see. It's a bit like the uh, that thing about Usain Bolt. If you see him in any of his races, the first 30, 40 metres, he's not first. Yeah. Because his stride is so big. His longer one, stride, yeah. One he's, once he's in that groove, all six foot five of him. Yeah. But I think that's where it's different for me. I'm only five foot five, so <laughs> the first 20 yards, I've already into full stride, whereas some of them boys are still getting into their full stride. Yeah. Oh, that, that would be fascinating to see. Yeah, no, they said people used to, it's funny, that's a question you used to get all the time. That's yeah. what, who's the fastest? I'm like, we never actually race. I'm like, we never actually race. You have small, small races over 10 yards and then there's accelerations and stuff like that and change of direction. But you never literally sit down and go, let's have a race, me and you, let's have a race. Yeah. But um, they should actually do it. Do you? Be interesting. I'm about your age and I still remember it would have been uh, the championship at the time. They had like a, a race between, like, each club would nominate a player and before a match they would do a sprint race? Yeah, I think they organised it. That's what I'm saying. I think they did organise it somewhere in yeah. one of the leagues, yeah. But not the Premier League. Yeah, and it I wouldn't think... happen now because of injuries. Of course, that's what I think. <laughs> the players would be too... The, the clubs would be too scared. But, yeah. like, imagine your player pulls his hamstring. <laughs> and she's like, well, how did you do it? Well, we had a race. Yeah, before the match. <laughs> yeah. um, it was... I think it was the championship. I might be wrong, but can you just imagine if that happened? I mean... Could have been you against Walcott in a North London derby yeah. sort of thing. It would, uh, yeah, so I would have loved to have done it. Like I said, I remember as well, we were both at Nike. Yeah. Um, and they was, I think there was people was trying to push for it to happen. Uh, but I think it would have never happened. The clubs would never have allowed it because, yeah. like I said, there's too much at risk to, for injuries. But you would back yourself over Theo Walcott? I think it would be tight, but I think I would just pip him. Yeah. Uh, but I think it would tight because Theo is absolutely rapid. But I think I would, only short distance. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I think I'd just pip him. How fast are you now? I'm still quick, to be honest. I still live in the gym, so I literally, um, I still stay in shape. Um, so I'd be interested to say, I'd, like I said, it's now, I don't really open up. So it'd be interesting to literally actually now do it. And I'm probably can take the risk because if I do get injured, it's not that much of a big deal. So um, I still reckon I'm still quick. Yeah, because we, uh, we had Gabby Monglahor here. He was rapid too. Yeah, Gab Gabby was another. It was, uh, yeah. And even though like, he had been retired a while when he came here, we played like five aside of him. Wow, he's... Yeah, Gabby, Gabby was lightning. Still... Yeah, yeah, I played with Gabby at um, the national side. And also, we did a, a Nike advert one time, which was a, a speed yeah. flight acceleration thing, and Gabby was doing it as well. So, um, yeah, I seen him in full flight then, and he's a flying machine as well. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Nike and boots, you were signed up at, what, 14 years of age yeah. to Adidas at the time? Yeah. You must have been amazing in the academy. Yeah. You must have been brilliant. Uh, I was, I was, like I said, I was going well. Um, I didn't realise I was going that well to be getting uh, offered boot deals and stuff. Um, but, yeah, I remember just one of the games, I remember one of the dads saying, I did ask her here to, he's watching Aaron, and I remember thinking, surely not, like, why would he be watching me? Yeah. And it was literally, obviously, just one of the Sunday games for Leeds, um, one of the academy games. Wow. And then a, a week later, they approached, and, um, yeah, it was a done deal. I remember Michael Bridges saying, like, it was amazing to see you come up. And it was Gary Kelly, the veteran of the side, yeah. pointing out, like, 
you had everything. I mean, you had a boot deal at 14. You're yeah. on the cusp of breaking into the first team. Yeah. I mean, the world was your hoist at that stage. Yeah, I think so, yeah. And it's funny, I think that's just where times had started to change. Like, boot deals were getting offered younger. Players were uh, breaking through slightly earlier than usual. Um, so, yeah, and like I said, like you said, you named the names, Gary Kelly, Michael Bridges, uh, amazing role models for me, uh, looked after me coming through. Cause like I said, I was, still a, I was still a baby then. I was literally 14, 15 and starting to train with the first team. So they was uh, amazing for me coming through. Do you remember being called up to the first team? What was it like for you? To the first team, yeah. uh, at Leeds. At Leeds, sorry, yeah. Yeah, well, I, was, um, I think the first session I was training with my own team and I think maybe somebody got injured. And then when somebody got injured, basically, they'd ask for basically the best player from maybe the youth team. And I think, um, I think I was like 14, 15 possibly at the time. Um, and I remember going over and being so nervous because then it was like, come over to the main pitch. Um, and yeah, I remember then doing really well. And all the other academy lads were around the side watching. And literally, even from that moment, I think they realised as well that this boy's got a real chance. Um, because like I said, I'd, I went up there and done really well, even just in the first session. Um, and from then on, every time there was a player or they needed somebody to go up, I was always there training with the first team. So, like I said, from 14, 15, I became basically started to train with the first team. Was Alan Smith someone you looked up to because of how he broke into the side as well? Yeah, as a definitely. young player from, from um, Leeds? Yeah, I was lucky. I had Alan Smith, uh, Jonathan Woodgate was another one. Yeah. Um, James Milner was slightly older. So, I had I'd seen them come through the academy and break through at a young age and then also be successful and do really well. So, it was always great for me to watch them. And then all of a sudden, I'm training with them. Um, and also they've seen it the same way, so they also took extra care of me. Um, but like I said, when you see somebody doing it, you also then believe, well, if they can do it, then I can do it. So um, I followed suit. I just cannot believe this is... Well, we're recording this the week the Champions League started, yeah. and James Milner, Brighton, he's playing for his fifth club in Europe. He's still playing. Scott Carson is the other one looking at your squad list who's still active. Yeah. Not as active... <laughs> as uh, James Milner, but yeah. still, it's amazing to think they're still going strong now. Yeah, phenomenal. Um, like I said, James Milner, honestly, for me, the best professional I've ever worked with, ever seen. And I've worked with a lot of an amazing, mm. amazing professionals. But uh, James is from young. From He had that from 14, 15 years old. But he was always the best runner. Uh, he was always the hardest worker. He was always the last out in training, even a young boy. So it doesn't surprise me to see James still doing it to this day and age now. Because he was getting... Like the fittest in at Liverpool for pre-season, like every year, every year they do that. What is it, the lactate test? Uh, yeah, test something. Yeah. I've never done it. So. I've, I've not done it either. I won't like. If I want to win against James, I tell you that I used to yeah. win against James when he was coming up because we were quite similar. He was a year older, so when we started to break through the first team, people used to expect me to be with James, and um, there was no chance. He was, um, I think, he was a cross-country runner as a kid, though. Also, oh, okay. So that's where I think his running comes from. Um, but in any of the long-distance running he could honestly blow the whole team away from 15 years old. Oh. He was literally lapping players. He was, uh, he was that fit. I just, I'm having a flashback of talking to um, Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank. Okay, yeah. <laughs> he was saying like in pre-season, he's dead last in long distance well, because fast twitch muscle fibers and all of that. Yeah. Sprints, okay, he's, he's right up there, but yeah. long distance, and are he, you the same? I'm actually better than... Well, the funny thing is, I remember watching Jimmy run and I was a young kid and <laughs> okay. I remember Jimmy being with the goalkeepers at the back. <laughs> yes, that's on, what he said. Honestly, Jimmy, that's exactly I what remember he said. watching him and there was Jimmy. Matt Maduka was another. Yeah. And they'd just say, we're not made for this, we're too big. We're not made for this. And Jimmy would be like, I'm a sprinter. Um, I actually wasn't a bad long-distance runner, so I was never at the back. 
I could literally get in the pack and stay there and still get good times. Um, but it's obviously the sprints was obviously then I could be at the top of the list. Yeah. Because uh, yeah, I'm just trying to imagine Jimmy with uh, <laughs> large posterior. <laughs> well, that's just, the thing, imagine Jimmy, the Dukes, then the two goalkeepers. The just trying to go, 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 yeah, go along. So, no, it was... Um, I actually, that's funny when you said that because that story still sticks with me. Because I just remember Jimmy being at the back with the goalkeepers <laughs> yeah. and I'd never seen that before. It's like your number nine is with the goalkeepers. Yeah. Well, he knew his strengths and he, he played yeah. up to his strengths. Phenomenal definitely. player. Phenomenal player. Um, what about someone like Paul Robinson? Like, how is your relationship with him? Because yeah. he made that jump to Spurs before you did. Yeah. Well, that's funny. Like I said it was great for me to have Robbo there um, because obviously I knew Robbo from Leeds. So it was great coming through. And then Robbo was the keeper at Leeds when I was coming through. Well, uh, Nigel Martin then uh, Robbo. Yeah. And then obviously going to Spurs, it always helps when you when you know somebody. Um, so Robbo was great for me also. He, he, he helped me to settle in when I, was at, when I was at Spurs. Do you remember your debut? Like, how were you feeling inside? Um, for my Premier League debut? Your, for... pre your Premier League debut yeah. for, for, for Leeds. Like, how were you feeling? Because at the time, you were the youngest player. Yeah. Uh, I was slightly nervous. I remember, like, that pre-season, I remember Peter Reid saying... Literally, you're with us from now on, that's it. You're good enough, you're ready. You're with us, there's no going back to the academy. And I remember then believing, wow. But until then, you actually, the Premier League starts, then you start, and I think the first game I might have been on the bench. I think it was the second game of the season. And you're on the bench. And I remember for him telling me to go get warm. And then you feel, then the nerves really start to come. Um, but I was quite fearless at that age as well. Because once I got on that pitch, it literally, I was really confident. Um, and yeah, no, like I said, he's more nervous sitting on the bench rather than getting onto the pitch. Interesting, because I was going, to, I was going to ask, like, when you were out there on the pitch, are you saying don't give me the ball? No, I was the opposite. You wanted the yeah, ball. Yeah, I was the opposite. Yeah, I was the total opposite. Give me the ball. Um, like I said, I had that belief, had that confidence from really, really young, and that was my strength on the ball, um, where I believe I could hurt teams. So yeah, I was one of them. As soon as I come in, I'm thinking, looking at the clock, thinking, please just get me the ball. So, yeah, I'd, I'd had that confidence, definitely, in my belief from a really young age. Well, it certainly showed. I'm jumping ahead a bit here because yeah. you were a three-time nominee for Young Player of the Season. Yeah, possibly, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's some record. Yeah, I think someone said it, and I think they said that year, maybe. I think they said Ronaldo won it yeah. and Rooney won it. And I was like, yeah, fair enough. That's close. I think I, came third. I, think, I think I came third between them two, and I was like, fair play. Yeah, but well, uh, I mean, to have that record, like, on the bounce, you must, it must have been... An amazing feeling for you and your family, who I'm, I'm gathering you're very close to. They're always supportive of you. Yeah, to no, see you it out was, there. and it happened so quickly. I literally said I'd literally left school, and literally you've gone from leaving school because I left school quite early. So I left school like 14, 15 because they were trying to progress me into the first team, and from then all of a sudden you've gone to being a first team player. It's not there was no. It was literally your first team player, and then I managed to stay with the first team. So it was um, amazing for me, amazing for the family. Like I said, so they was at every game, so supportive. And they knew it was my dream. Yeah. And so, like you say, it was, it was amazing for us all. Did you ever have, because you were progressing so fast, did you ever have to do the whole boot cleaning thing? And that was, Yeah, well, that was a funny thing. When I first came through, I was on the boot cleaning. And then, you were? Yeah. Okay. And uh, I can't remember who I had. I might have had Gary Kelly's first year. I might have had Kelsey's boots. Um, and then, uh, to fair, I think Peter Reid took me off him. He was like, no, I'm not having it. You're a first-team player. Um, you're not doing boots. Um, so, yeah, I didn't do it for very long. Who was a good tipper then? I'm not sure if you even got that far, but who gave a good tip? Uh, Kells was definitely one of them. That's okay. not even just from Kells. Um, Viduka, another definitely was. Um, who else was another one? Might have been Hartley actually as well. In Hart? Uh, yeah. Like nephew-like? Yeah, uncle. yeah, I think. 
Yeah, they were definitely because I remember some of the the academy lads then be absolutely buzzing. Come to, cause they used to give it at Christmas time. Yeah, and I remember the lads absolutely literally going shopping. Who's stingy? Uh, stingy ones. Um, there was a few. Something. There was a few rumors that Millsy was a stingy. Oh really? Yeah, there was a few that he didn't he didn't tip well. Um, oh. But I don't know. That like I said, I, I wasn't. I literally went away from doing it. Yeah. So, um, what tips did you give? I didn't have to, so like I said, it's it's it started to stop then. So oh. it literally changed. I was literally like one of the last stages of it. So I remember like one of the academy boys was supposed to do mine, but um, I would have definitely been a, a big tip. I'm a, a generous person in that sense. That's um, that's one of my things. And you would have known what it was like to be on the other end, well, albeit briefly. Yeah, you briefly. Were, yeah, you were in the first for about two weeks. Yeah, uh, so I was really like you said, but um, you didn't mind. I still had to do the other jobs, so that was funny. So instead of doing the boots, I had to do the. Even though I was with the first team, I had to do the cones, the equipment. Mm. Um, and I remember sometimes the strikers would be staying out for half an hour, forty-five minutes after. So I'd just have to join in with them, and the balls would be going in the fence and into the woods, and that would be my job after after the session to to get the balls in and the equipment. When did so. when did you actually? feel like you were part of the first team. I know you've, you, you've come on as a 16-year-old in 129 days, yep. and you're, you've played and you're in the squad, but did you feel like you were part of the first team already? Uh, yeah, yeah and no. Um, like I said, I still felt like I'm still a young boy in you that were. team. Even, yeah, I was, yeah. But even though the manager told me you would not be going back to the academy, you would not be playing any youth team games, literally you're with the first team now and that is it. Um, but it's towards later on, I guess, as the season goes progressing, you start believing and feeling that you're really part of it. Um, you move dressing room, you're now yeah. in the first team dressing room. So, um, but yeah, you then probably towards the end of that first season, I started to think, okay, I feel part of the squad now. Because um, imposter syndrome, that's a thing, isn't it? Pardon? Imposter syndrome. Some people who yeah. feel like they are an imposter in a situation, like they yeah. don't deserve to belong there. Yeah. That's, that's quite a. A heavy degree to go to, but I can understand if you were 16 and you're surrounded by these six foot two, six foot three guys who are yeah. veterans of the Premier League, and you're literally just a kid. Yeah, 100%. I did feel that way. Like I said, there'd be me just trying to, every time I could, I'd be trying to go back to the academy dressing yeah. room, and the manager would be like, No, Aaron, you're here. This is where you are. We, like, we need you to be around it. Your mates are there. Aren't yeah, they? I was like, I've come through from yeah. eight years old with some of these boys. So I did still spend a lot of time with them, but um, the manager, to be fair to him, he wanted me to be with. The first team, the first team canteen, because it was all. Sometimes it would be separated. Um, you sit on these tables. And he really wanted to integrate me really quickly, um, and I think that helped me. He did have to mature much quicker than obviously you playing, and it goes from being academy games to being really serious games now every single week. And that's when you notice it's 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 a different ball game. Were you treated like a kid by the team though? Uh, not really. No, uh, they was actually really good with me. They did silly things like get the teas and whatnot. Mm. That was the usual. Um, but they, they actually didn't, and I think it's because I was actually then playing. It wasn't as if I'd just broke through and I was thinking, I think they realised that I'm actually part of them now. Yeah. I think they realised I'm here to stay type thing, so they actually give me a, a lot more uh, respect for my age anyway. I, I just I can't remember the player, but it just popped in my mind. There was a 15-year-old who's breaking into the first team. I can't remember who. Yeah. Um, but they legally weren't allowed to change with the first team because of the age yeah. had to change in their own dressing room. Oh, really, yeah. I mean, it's like, wow, yeah. okay. Like I said, they're getting younger and younger. Yeah. Like I said, I remember um, there was the thing before with you couldn't wear certain strips because it had alcohol on and whatnot, the sponsorships, if you was under a certain age, you wouldn't yeah. be allowed to wear. 
certain sponsorships. So, um, but like I said, they're getting like I said younger and younger. You won't be surprised if you if you see a fourteen-year-old break through next. I wouldn't be surprised. Did you have to go to like classes or anything in terms of education and employment laws? Age yeah, laws so um, I still had to do like I think one, two, one or two sessions a week um, at the at the academy with a teacher, and it was funny. We, me and Scott Carson, had to attend uh, a building college yeah. <laughs> once a week. Um, which was funny enough, like I said, because we had no idea what was going on and um, we was stood out like cell phones. Yeah. Um, but yeah, now we did have to do a little bit of education, even though we didn't do much. Both of us probably weren't the brightest either. So, uh, yeah, but we did have to do it just legally. When did you realise your fame was now attached to your name? I mean, before the first team appearance, you could walk around Leeds, I presume, no problem. Yeah. You could walk around the city centre, you can go to the shops. Yeah. At what point did you realise, this isn't so easy for me anymore, yeah. I can't just pop out anymore? Yes, yeah, as soon as I hit that first game for the first team. Um, and I also had quite a lot of hype with me, obviously, with the boot deal, um, England youth team also. So people, even in Leeds, were starting to think, the local newspaper was putting me in quite a bit. And then once you hit the first team and start playing, then I started to realise, oh, I can't just go. Well, I can go, and I yeah. was going, still going to the city centre, but people were then coming up to you and asking for pictures and autographs and um, so on and stuff like that. And then I realised, oh, this is now starting to change and yeah. feels really different. <laughs> OK, you told me off camera that your brother, Anthony, right? Yeah. Looks like you. Yeah. Did he get stopped a lot? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Walking around. <laughs> well, that was the thing he used to hate because he was saying people would come up to him that much and literally he's telling me it's not me and they fully think he's lying to them. Yeah. So some people would get annoyed and be like, why are you lying to us? Like, we know it's you. And he'd be like, it's my brother. It's <laughs> honestly not me. So, um, yeah, he used to get that growing up. So we used to have some funny stories like that. It's, it reminded me, like, um, I saw an interview with Brad Pitt, of all people. Yeah. And he was saying, like, some people thought he was Matt Damon or something and he oh. would sign autographs as Matt Damon. They, yeah. <laughs> it is funny how sometimes I had people coming up to me before a few times. I used to get the 301. Yeah. And I'd be like, oh, nothing like him, but okay, I can see the resemblance. Um, and then it's the odd time you'd get someone like, say, oh, Jermaine, Jermaine. And I'd be like, Jermaine who? Defoe? And he'd be like, Defoe. I'm like, Defoe? I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, that's a bad call, man. Yeah. I'm like, it's not me. And it's funny how when someone just, they see someone and they're not quite sure or they think they just put a name to it. But, um, yeah, you get them funny moments here and there. What about being in um, being in London? I'm sure you could walk around there. I've I've walked around and seen footballers just casually strolling about. Jan Vertonghen, yeah, coming out of Selfridges, of course. Yeah, just uh, casually. I walking. think in London as well because there's a lot more footballers. There's yeah. a lot more celebrities. It's not just footballers. There's actors, musicians. Uh, whereas Leeds is a much smaller city, so you do get recognised and stuff. Um, but like you said, I think because there's so many more. Um, so-called famous people in mm. London that it's probably, you get probably less attention. Yeah. It's, uh, I've seen a lot of people just walking down in London, oh, no one bothers, but no one bothers them. People, yeah. I can see people looking like out of the corner of the eye, yeah, yeah. but no one's really going up to them. Yeah, I, like I said, I don't think, like I said, it's much, it's, in the smaller cities, I think it's worse. Whereas I think, like, like I said, in London, there's so much going on. And people are always in a rush in London anyway. Yeah. So yeah. Nobody cares, everyone's in a rush to get to their work. I stopped one person on the streets in London, uh, Anthony Stewart Head. He's an actor. Okay, he was yeah. in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. He played Giles. Okay, yeah, yeah. And he was in Little Britain as yeah. the Prime Minister. All right, yeah. Uh, amongst other things. I was like, oh my God, yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, that's so cool. Uh, I didn't stop Jan Vertonghen because yeah. I already interviewed him. So I thought oh, it would right, be a bit yeah, weird. This would be a bit awkward. Yeah. You see him again. Yeah, it's, <laughs> and he's walking around all happy. I think it was with his wife. Um, yeah. 
at the time and they were just doing some shopping. So yeah. thought I would let him be. Um, how traumatic though was it to be at Leeds because of when you were there as a youngster, they were flying high, playing in Europe, AC Milan, yeah. uh, Lee Bowyer scoring that goal. Yeah. I think it was the anniversary this week, by the way. Oh, was it? Yeah, goal. I was at that game. Were I was, you? I was, I was at that game, yeah. I was at Bowyer that game. Really? Yeah. Because it's been everywhere on the lead social media this week. Yeah, yeah. Um, it must be like the 20th anniversary or something. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it must be coming around to it, yeah. Yeah. Time flies. It does. <laughs> it it does. does. It really does. Um, are there any pictures of you as a ball boy? Uh, I don't know if there's, there will be some somewhere. I don't know if it's at that game, but there's definitely some somewhere. And I'm sure my dad and mum have some uh, in their cabinets because they've got me everywhere. So There's a there's uh, a few famous ones like Phil Foden. Yeah. Literally as a, as a tiny, he's... Small guy and as a ball boy, and now he is. Yeah, he's a Champions League. Yeah, like I said in them days, that was literally as he was coming through the academies. You, yeah. your ball boy that you do your Saturday training, you were going straight to the to the stadium to be the ball boy at the game. Are they? Did they shout? You quick, give me the ball. Uh, yeah, yeah, and the fans are telling you as well to get yeah. the ball on quick, and you're literally panicking. Or slow it down. Uh, yeah, another one. That was the tactical one. Slow it down, especially if the team's winning. Yeah. Uh, were you instructed? Did the, the uh, there was a few cheeky rules going on, yeah, even back then. Okay. I've literally, yeah, if the team's winning, take your time. Yeah. Type thing. But so. no one kicked you like Hazard, right? Nah, the... <laughs> thankfully no. Do you remember thankfully that? No. Yeah, I remember that. Hazard, the, yeah, I, I think it was it. a Swansea. Swansea game, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Where the boy bo had the ball under him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's, he's, a, he's a millionaire now, you know? Like he started I seen his own it, business. Yeah, i seen that pop-up. He did like the... I think it's one of the vodkas. Uh, Something the, like that. The, the, in the gold bottles. Yeah, yeah, I've seen it. And it's gone massive. Multi-millionaire and he's... Probably still just a kid, effectively. Fair play. Yeah, he can't be that old because, no. like I said, he was earning. That was not that well. Maybe ten years ago, fifteen years yeah, ago. Yeah, not too long. Um, anyway, I was digressing. The trauma being at Leeds because you've seen them flying so high, but yeah. then the money issues came into play. Yeah. Some of the best players uh, having to be sold. I mean, you would be one of them in the future as well. Yeah. Uh, Danny Rose who was in that chair three, four weeks ago. Yeah. Same thing. He had to be sold because of the money. Yeah. Um, how traumatic was that for you as a player there? Uh, it was devastating for me. And relegation. I, yeah. They literally, like I said, I would, just came through. Um, obviously, you're on top of the world. This is brilliant. And then, then they said there started to be the slight money issues which was going in on in the background, which we half knew about but didn't know how serious it was. Um, and then, obviously, the club got relegated that same year. And then, like I said, the following year, then I started to realise how much this is a big problem because... I was already having conversations with my agents already coming to me saying, I think we're gonna have to they're gonna have to let you go. And I'm like, What do you mean? This is like my home, this is my team I've come through and he's like, They're gonna try and sell you because they literally have no money whatsoever. Mm. And anyone who is a talent or they can get some money for is is gonna be out the door. And I remember being devastated. I was literally devastated, like because it was my home time. Um I'd just come through, I was like I said, I was on top of the world. Even though we just got relegated, I still had no intention of of leaving Leeds. Yeah. So, but I remember the conversations coming in. I remember the PFA coming in and literally saying the club is basically bust. And I remember the staff being told they had to leave down to the kitchen staff was losing their jobs. So it was a, uh, yeah, a really sad time for the, for everyone, everyone involved. People never think of the grand scheme of what that does to the football club, but yeah. the community yeah. as well everyone who's associated with the club, people who, who earn a living on match day. hundred percent. People, like I said, that's what, when we started to notice, like I said, we'd come in and all of a sudden another one had gone. Uh, like I said, it may be the cleaner, maybe the kitchen staff, um, the community worker who'd take you to the appearances had now gone. There's only one where there was might have been three of them. 
So you really start to see it. People don't realise how many it affects the whole club, even the city as a whole. Yeah. Like you said, once the team had stopped progressing, it, forget, it affected Leeds even as a city. Um, but yeah, it was um, devastating times. I realised that the impact it has on a community, having travelled to, to see Norwich to watch a game in uh, Newcastle, one of my favourite cities to go to. Yeah. The whole city comes to a standstill on match say, day. I was literally about to say, yeah. It's yeah. amazing to see. It yeah. really is. Uh, London's a bit different, of course, yeah. because there's so many clubs there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, London is London. Uh, why, why Tottenham? Um, so, like I said, I remember being on holiday with my brothers, and I remember getting a phone call from my agent. I actually got a phone call from a news reporter first, and they'd already told me, you're going to Tottenham, and I was like, pardon? And I remember thinking, was this a prank call? I didn't really get prank calls in them yeah. days. And I remember saying to my brother, and he was like, and then my agent was ringing me, saying basically, Leeds had agreed a free... Um, to sell me without even coming to me. They basically, yeah, told me basically they'd agreed the fee and obviously then it's about me agreeing personal terms and, medical, and if I want to go. Um, so I came back off the holiday, spoke with my agent. Um, he said there's a few offers going around, there's a few interests. Um, I think Liverpool was another who was interested at the time. But we looked at the project and Tottenham was then signing a lot of the best young players. And um, yeah, that was it. It was literally done within a four-week period. It was literally, yeah, Just they moving like to London, yeah. Martin Yole. Martin Yole, yeah. cuddly bear that he is. Yeah, but he is. Yeah, is he? He is, he actually okay. was. He used to be cuddles, honestly. Um, and um, amazing manager, amazing manager. Uh, amazing for me, anyway, being so young, moving to a different city. Because I really struggled as I uh, first got there. I was really homesick. And he, he was brilliant with me, giving me extra days off to go back home. Um, just little gestures like that, which made a, a, so much difference for me to, um, to settle into London. Yeah, and obviously with Tottenham, such a big club as yeah. well, a massive club, still there in the Premier League, one of those teams that hasn't been relegated, obviously. It's, yeah. It must have been different for you from being at Leeds, struggling and battling relegation, to then playing in the division below, to now an established Premier League club. Yeah, yeah it was a huge uh, change, not even just the clubs, just obviously moving to London. As a whole, it's a completely different ball game to living in a small city like Leeds. Um, but yeah, going, going to Spurs and then obviously going from the Championship yeah. with one year in Leeds um, to then being at a big established club who are wanting to push on to Europe and signing all the best talents um, from everywhere. All the best young players were coming in. They also already had great players there. Um, so it was amazing also to be there then, then start training and be like, Okay, this is actually really good now, and the level is really, really high. Yeah, because you mentioned the young players, but great players as well. And there's one of them who I had to babysit here. Oh, really? When he came. <laughs> Let's see if you can guess who it is. He came here. Uh, I had to babysit him because it was for an event, and they knew that I liked football and I was a host. And they yeah. said, Oh, can you just take care of him? So I had to take him for dinner and all of that. First thing he did when he got here, he said to me, I want to sign up for a gym, like a three day membership. And he was in there like twice a day. And to this day, he's fit as a fiddle. I know you're fit, but I think he's fitter than you. Really? And he's muscular, at, not he, tall. He was at Spurs when I was there? I believe so, yes. Here's uh, a clue. Oh, Edgar. Edgar Davids. Yeah, one of them. A machine. Absolute machine. Still a machine. It doesn't surprise me. I played a charity game not so long with Edgar. And uh, he's still... Yeah, oh, he was still unbelievable. Still unbelievable. Still in fantastic condition. Um, but yeah, he was... He was great, okay. and like I said, he, is, he was a different level of a machine. And I remember um, I was in the canteen uh, having a bit of dinner, Yeah. and he came up to me with the biggest bowl of uh, broccoli, just broccoli in a bowl. 
nothing else. And he was like, you eat this also. And I was like, oh, I'm not a big fan of broccoli. Eh? <laughs> yeah. I'm not a big fan. And he was like, honestly, you need to eat this every day. Every meal I want to see you eat it. And if I didn't, some days I'd go in. If I hadn't got it, he would bring me it every day. Um, and then I started eating it because I was like, I looked at the shape he's in. I was like, well, if he's doing it and he looks like that and he was older than me at that time. Yeah. Um, then he must be doing something right. Um, but yeah, amazing professional, amazing guy. I, I remember just like... But know, that doesn't surprise me when he's at the gym. Have you, when you pat him, it's like a rock. Oh, honestly. He used to say to me, I remember because he was another one, he used to say to me like, in the morning in the session, before we used to never go in the gym before training. Yeah. It was like frowned upon. It was, it was never done. You maybe get a massage or chill out. Um, and Echo was one of the first I'd seen, and even to this, it must be what, 15, 20 years ago, was straight away doing gym sessions before the actual session. But I'm talking proper gym sessions. Yeah. And I'm thinking, oh, this guy, he's not going to be tired for the session. Yeah. <laughs> like, and he would literally be out there lifting weights. He'd be doing his legs, come out and train. After and then I remember asking him, and I asked him, I said, hey, how come you do so much uh, gym? And he's like, because I have to be fitter than everybody. And he says, I did a gym, I did a session before I even got to the training ground at my home. Mm. And I was just like, Wow, and now I see why you've been at the top for so long. Because yeah, he was a, a different level. He was a bit mad as well. Like when he went to Barnet, he gave himself the number one jersey, made yeah. himself captain. He was yeah. a manager, and he didn't travel for a weekend. Oh really? Yeah, <laughs> that doesn't surprise me, man. <laughs> he was a very serious character. Yeah, um, super professional. But really, like I said, for me as one of the older players and watching him, he was so helpful for me. So helpful, like I said, just little details of literally being in the gym, showing me different things of nutrition. And like I said, nutri certain things we didn't we didn't concentrate on as much in them days. Um, and Edgar was one of the first to literally change that scale. One of the countries which could have had a great football team would be like somewhere like Suriname because I believe he's from originally heritage wise. Yeah. Virgil Van Dyke. Yeah. There's a lot of players. Yeah. Who have that in yeah. their background? Can you just imagine like how yeah. well they could have done? You say that all the time. I remember when we said it similar about the Jamaican teams. Also, I remember yeah. when we was coming through and there was like. Oh, there could have been you, I think they said Rio, yeah. um, Jermaine Genus. Uh, there was literally a full 11 who was literally all in the England squad, I think, at the time. Um, but like I said, there's, they said you could get some um, amazing smaller countries um, if the teams, if players did play for their, for their teams. Well, they say Africa's won the World Cup because of France. Yeah, well, there you go, yeah, Africa's as another a, one. As a continent, not as a country, Yeah, of course, yeah. You see a lot of the French team, a lot of them are Africans, yeah. so... I've uh, been influenced a lot by Jamaica recently. I've started watching Top Boy. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Season, okay, so it's season one of the new Top Boy, yeah. but technically it's season three. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen it, but he's, he's in I, Jamaica. Yeah, 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 I've seen it, yeah, yeah. Uh, I've seen parts of it, actually. Parts. I think I've seen parts of it, yeah. Uh, what's his name? Ashley Waltz, Asher D from So Solid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. He's, he's, in, he's in Jamaica. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I was just, because the name of Jamaica just came yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, some of the other players that you had there I was just thinking Jermaine Defoe Robbie Keane they were goal scoring machines weren't they machines absolutely machines got Jermaine Defoe and Robbie Keane two of the best finishers uh, I've worked with and like I said love scoring goals especially Jermaine literally I seen Jermaine a few weeks back and he's still talking about scoring goals do you remember when I scored that goal and I'd be like <laughs> vaguely and he can tell you every detail of yeah. each one of his goals um, but amazing amazing finisher um, but he he's obsessed with scoring goals, Jermaine Defoe. But that's a keen another one, exceptional finishers. Jermaine's doing a podcast, isn't he, or something? I think he's just started one. Is it with one. Mikel Antonio? Uh, no, no, Mikel Antonio's with um, Callum Wilson. Troy Deeney. Troy Deeney, yes. Troy Deeney, yeah. Sorry, yeah. So um, I've seen a few I've seen a few of the clips pop up yeah. on Instagram and stuff. I've not really watched one yet. But he did actually message me not so long ago saying, oh, I need to get you on. Yeah. So that'll be fun. You should. 
You really should. Yeah. I think it'd be great with oh, you. We've got some good, yeah, we've got some good stories, yeah, me and Jermaine. Some funny stories. Um, You'll have to forgive me, but the 9-1 against Wigan, I know he got, what, five goals, but you got three assists and a goal. Yeah. How many of those assists were for him? Uh, could be all of them. Could be all of them, Everyone. right? He told me an amazing stat, actually, not so long ago. He said I, I assisted more goals than any other player to him um, throughout his career. Um, and that's how much Jermaine knows he's yeah. <laughs> all about his goals. Uh, but yeah, the 9-1, yeah... That was a amazing, amazing game. Is he grateful to you? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> is, is he grateful for the person that's providing even, him? Even in the charity game, uh, not so long ago, about a couple of months back, he still reminds me, he still comes up to me, oh, I love you so much. <laughs> I love you so much. He only loves me because I set him up so many times yeah. so he could score. Uh, but no, nah, great guy. Still a good friend of mine. Uh, I, I have a theory that Robbie Keane is the most connected man in football because he seems to know everybody. I've only done a bit of work with him. Yeah. But a friend of mine was kind of taking care of him out in Qatar yeah. in terms of the nightlife yeah. and all of that. He seems to know everybody. And Keane. people forget he went to Inter. Yeah. And you talk about Ronaldo, yeah. who was his teammate in Italy. Yeah, Robert Keane, yeah. Yeah, people forget Kino's career. Kino, Kino had a phenomenal career. Look at the clubs Kino went to. Yeah. Um, and I don't think Kino actually got the credit of how good he was. Like I said, Kino was a phenomenal football player. One of the, one of the cleverest players I ever played with. Um, but yeah, Kino knows everybody. He does, right? Everybody, literally. If you he could mention anybody to Kino, and I'd be like, he'd be like, oh yeah, I was with him last week. We had yeah. dinner, and I'd be like, how do you know? How did they even go together? I don't even know how they even met. Yeah. Um, Kino knows everybody, but uh, absolute legend. He's there's this uh, thing about Hollywood. There's I think it's three degrees of separation from Kevin Bacon, the actor. Yeah, all right. You see, every actor you can connect to Kevin Bacon through three maximum of three different stages or levels yeah and i think robbie Keane is the same yeah i really 100%. feel there'll be somebody who knows Keane. honestly if someone Keane will have them as well in the phone book yeah so there were some players that during your whole time at tottenham who i feel a bit underrated like michael carrick yeah even not just at tottenham but i'm talking about his entire career i don't think he gets the credit he deserves no, honestly unbelievable player i only might think of playing for him for one season for you yeah. at united and playing with him was he read the game like no other player um, but like you said then, so underrated, um, even for the uh, national team. Mm. He should have had so many more caps for, for England and should have started in so many more games. Um, such a very intelligent football player. People used to think, oh, you're setting field, you need to tackle. But he never really needed to tackle because he would read it and cut the, the, the ball out. Um, and then he's way to pass. But sometimes, like I said, you don't realise how good someone is until you actually play with him. Yep. And I remember even Wayne Rooney saying the same thing to me. Like, you couldn't believe how, how good, good he was. was. And he loved playing with him. Uh... The other one, and I'm actually going to put him above Carrick, and I'm only saying this because Carrick won a lot of medals. Yeah. But the one who stands out for me, maybe because I just loved watching him play, Tottenham player, Moussa Dembele. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, phenomenal. Brilliant, brilliant player. And they said, so underrated. And until you actually watch him and play with him, you will not really realise how good Moussa is. Moussa was right up there in his prime for being one of the best at the midfield in the world. Yes. That's, honestly, he could do everything. Run, tackle, he didn't dribble. shoot, but he didn't shoot. He had the technique to shoot, but he didn't shoot. And when he did shoot, that's I said, he had an amazing left yeah. foot. Amazing left foot. Um, but it's funny because if you do watch a lot of other players who played with him, he's in their top three, top five always of best players they've ever played with. And Musa is right up there for me. John John Arnarisa, his Fulham teammate, just yeah. said the most skilled player he's he's played with. Yeah, there was. Remember correctly, that was what he said. He makes it look effortless as well. He would yeah. come into training and he'd be so chilled and so relaxed, and then you get onto that training pitch and you'd just be like, 
wow, you do not want to be face Musa today. No. <laughs> Honestly, if you got him in a 1v1, 2v2 situation, there is no chance. I don't think there's anyone in the world who could literally face Musa at 1v1. Defensively and then offensively. Honestly, unbelievable. I cannot think of him being dispossessed. He, he can't get a ball off him. Yeah. He can't get a ball off him, honestly. And he, to look at him, you wouldn't feel he's that strong. And like I said, because he doesn't have like a massive upper body, massive legs, but the way he uses his body, the way he's so intelligent, with the way he manipulates the ball, mm. honestly, really, really underrated, but a phenomenal football player. He was, yeah. Yeah. There were some players who, during your time there, who could have been great. And I recently did some work with him towards the tail end of the last season, but I've got memories of him scoring some worldies. David Bentley. David Bentley, yeah. <sighs> Unbelievable football player. Unbelievable, yeah. I went to, he came to Spurs when I was at Spurs. Yeah. Um, it didn't really happen for him, but in training, we used to see some, some of the things we used to see from him. He was, like, technically, incredible. Technically, one of the best free kicks, can't set pieces, um, but you give Bentley a ball, honestly, straight from, from anywhere, and he could control it with anything, anywhere. Um, but yeah, he's... It was a shame to see, like I said, someone like Benz because he probably didn't fulfil his potential. But I remember bumping into him and he said he was like happy with his decision. Yeah. He fell out of love with the game, and you have to respect him for it. And even when you, I seen him after, he was really like he was fully content with his decision. And I was like, fair play. He was he, he moved to Spain for a bit and set up some stuff. And now he's he, back in the UK. But yeah. what a storyteller! What what a oh, character! What a character! Honestly, if you want someone in your dressing room, you want Benz yeah. in your dressing room. There was never a quiet moment with him around, honestly. We used to, as soon as you walked in, you could hear him before you even got in the door. Sometimes you're walking in and sometimes you're like tired, it's first thing, and Bent is always up to something. And he'd come in and you'd just see he's, he's laughing. Yeah. And he'd be like, you won't believe what I've done already. <laughs> and he's already maybe cut someone's trousers up, or just one of the legs. The trainer's gone. Literally, from the moment we got in the dressing room, Bent's um, amazing, amazing guy to have. Amazing guy. Honestly, he's like a character from a Guy Ritchie movie. Yeah, honestly, Benz is literally, you wouldn't, you could take him anywhere. Yeah. And there would be a, a story would come from it. It doesn't matter where you could be, you could be sat on a bus and there would be, a, then there would be an amazing story and Benz would be banging the centre of it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, now what a guy. In terms of the way he talks, in terms of his storytelling, I now realise why maybe Harry Redknapp didn't entirely fancy him on top of having the water chucked on top of his head. <laughs> yeah. Maybe they were just too similar in many ways. Maybe, uh, just the way they talked. Possibly, and, yeah. Two, I don't know. Two big characters, yeah. two big, Massive like you said, jokers. And then obviously one has to be the manager, one has to be the player. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, they did have a few clashes, to be fair, a few bad clashes. I was in the dressing room with a couple of them. Um, and, yeah, and sometimes it would be over nothing. It was so strange. Um, but, yeah, now, like I said, two big, big personalities. Yeah. Uh, Redknapp, Harry Redknapp, I've done a bit of work with him, but... Did you score in his debut in the fall draw of Arsenal? I think that was his debut, you know, uh, as, think, as a manager debut. Yeah, possibly. I, I think he came the game before. Okay. So I think he came the game before. I think that was the second game. And then okay. I, was, I scored the equaliser yeah, yeah. against the Arsenal, um, the 4-4. Yeah, an amazing game. It's funny, actually. I was doing a, an interview two days ago, literally about the 4-4. Oh, yeah. They said it's coming up to 15 years ago, Yeah. Uh, the anniversary of that game. Um, so, yeah, we was... Uh, flashbacks and David Bentley, like you said, scores the goal from nearly the halfway. Yeah, and then boom. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, amazing game. But I think that was Harry's second game. It was his second game, okay. Yeah. What was he like as a manager, though, uh, in general? A great man manager. Well, basically, a great man manager. Put your arm around you, tell you you're the best player in the world. Um, and for some players, that's what they needed. Um, 
great time around. Oh, he was up for a laugh and then he'd be really serious. So he was down to have a laugh. He enjoyed his team having fun. But then, like I said, once he got into the pitch, once he got into the training pitch, um, really serious. But um, no, he was great for me. I had some great moments um, with him. Um, and he he played very exciting football. He was one of the f- like the first to really let you. He really encouraged me to really, really go at people, really know, take your shackles off, if you want to call it. And we had me and Bale on either side, and he was literally... We're attacking with these two. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he was great to play for. When I was looking back at Tottenham over the last 15, 20 years and thinking of the most successful managers, one day Ramos, I know, was the last one to actually win a trophy, and you were there, of course, yeah. uh, the League Cup. But looking at the overall success of the manager at Spurs, yeah. did you see Dan Levy at the like the community club fans chat, Postacoglu, Sonti Yeah, Min. I've seen clips of it on yeah. their socials. But... He's talking about why Postacoglu came in. Yeah. And it got me thinking, he was right in that the managers that they brought in who've been successful weren't serial winners. They okay. brought in Conte and Mourinho. Yeah. Serial winners didn't work out. Yeah. Pochettino, and I know that you weren't there when he had his success in the yeah. Champions League final, but he wasn't a serial winner. Yeah. He got his first trophy at PSG. Yeah. And Harry Redknapp was the one who took Spurs to the Champions League. To the he, next level, yeah. He won some stuff, but he wasn't yeah. a serial winner. Yeah. You think sometimes, you know, that's the key to success? Uh, you see, I think it depends on the group you have. Yes, I think of course, yeah. It depends what players you have, what dressing room you have. Um, and I think, like you said, I think you bring in the likes of Jose Mourinho, Conte. I'm just not sure they was right for that group. Mm. There's no question in their ability as a manager and them being serial winners. I think it depends on what group you have. And I just feel that the dressing room needed a different style of manager. And maybe, like you said, maybe not a serial winner, but more flexible, going to let the players play maybe more freely. Um, and I think Pochettino did that. Um, the new manager, Ange Pochettino, can barely get it out. Yeah. Um, has took like he took the shackles off again um, like I said and Harry was probably the first to do that again um, so yeah I think it just depends on the dressing room the style of players you have and I think maybe it wasn't suited at the time for the previous two managers do you think okay the League Cup is is a cup game so I'm going to separate this but in terms of the important yeah. fixtures for Tottenham how important was the Premier League game where you beat City to and you got Champions, Champions League, League. Yeah, it was fourth huge. spot yeah huge game for us Massive game. Um, like I said, we knew. Like I said, if we could get that win, we was guaranteed Champions League football for I think the first time, maybe. Yes, it was the yeah, first time for the first time. So um, I remember that game um, very well actually because I'd just come back from a really serious injury, and um, Harry put me back in because um, I hadn't played much prior Christmas, um, and I remember the atmosphere. I remember the dressing room, and that was that was the first big step I think to Tottenham realizing okay, now we're trying to progress not just Europa League, mm. we want to be top four. And I think that was the first taste. And we gave the fans that also where they realised this is where we want to be. No disrespect to the Europa League, it's a great competition, but the Champions League is, is where the club and where you want to be. Yeah, it was Crouchy that scored, wasn't it? Crouchy scored, yeah. The Did you say... No, no I, you didn't. No, Kabul, I, I, think Kabul, I think it was Eunice Kabul Eunice, hits yeah. the cross. I think it gets deflected out to Crouchy. And then it's just amazing scenes. And after, like I said, I remember... I ran out with Benz. Yeah. So we planned it, but I think we didn't plan oh. it to go that bad. Uh, but he wasn't happy also, Harry. He wasn't happy. He plays it down, but he really wasn't that happy about that. Oh, in the changing room? He, he, yeah, he wasn't. Uh, even and you could tell he was really not happy. Okay. Um, happy about the Champions League, yeah. but he wasn't happy about his, his suit being soaked and him being freezing. 
Uh, I can't believe he did it in his underwear as well. Uh, yeah. David Bentley, not, not Harry Redknapp. <laughs> just, just want to clarify yeah. that. Uh, the other important game with the League Cup final. Yeah. Coming back against Chelsea as well. <coughs> that Chelsea side. Yeah. How important was that game? I mean, it's the last trophy that Spurs won. Yeah, I know. I can't believe it's still to this day. What's 2008, was it? It was 08, yeah. <coughs> 2008. Um, but we had come... We actually became, not I won't say a bogey team for Chelsea, but we had beaten Chelsea a few times prior to that. And we had that belief that we could beat Chelsea, even though that team was phenomenal, by the way. We started to believe that we could beat that team. Um, and like you said, uh, even going one goal down, we still, I remember at halftime, still believing we're still in this. And um, an amazing like turnaround. Um, I think Berber scores the penalty. Um, cool as you like. Yeah. Rolls it in. And um, obviously Woody gets the winner. Um, but a huge day for the football club, um, and me, me personally, that was, I was my only trophy also. Mm. Um, but now a special, special day. Um, we should have actually probably won it then the following season. We but you got the final again, final, didn't you? We lost to United, I think, yeah. on penalties. Um, and we probably should have won it then also. But um, yeah, crazy that Spurs have not won a, a trophy since then um, because of the, like, so the teams and the squads that they've had and managers yeah. also, <coughs> they probably should have, um, they should have won something by now. They did Ryan Mason dirty once when he was a manager in the cup final and they put like his record against Pep. Oh, <laughs> like, really? On, on, on the graphics. <coughs> on the, Ryan Mason, on the stats. like two games. <laughs> it's oh, like, okay, yeah. And Pep, hundreds of games, yeah. trophies won. I don't I was think like, any other manager would want to go against Pep. Never mind no. Ryan Mason. But I was like, why do you even need to put that graphic yeah. up? I mean, it's obvious. He's, he's an interim manager yeah. and he's young. So obviously it's, it's not going to be uh, comparable in any way whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah. I'm... Obviously, he had to come back again and do that role, Ryan Mason. Yeah. Um, I kept sad that his career as a player had to end so early. <coughs> yeah, no, um, I played with Ryan coming all the way through. So as I broke in, uh, well, I got Spurs, I was still only young then, but Ryan was starting to edge through towards the first team. And I remember thinking, he's a top, top player, this boy. And he started to change with us. And he also had a great character. So it doesn't surprise me, sadly, that he had to finish early, but mm. it doesn't surprise me that he got into coaching and possibly towards management because he was that type of character also even as a young boy he'd come in and he didn't mind to stand up for himself a few of the, the older boys would maybe give him something and he'd stand his ground and I was like fair play to you here because a lot of young boys just go in the show yeah so he had them them qualities um and he like I said he was also a very good football player there's actually a player here in Malaysia who's uh, 29 now um I think and he came through with Ryan at Spurs Okay. Um, I don't know if you remember him. Uh, he ne didn't play for the first team. Giancarlo Galafuco. Okay, no, um, I don't remember him now. And he met Tim Sherwood here. He did the World Cup coverage reverse, and Tim was his manager. Yeah. Back when he was in the academy, so yeah. I think he was like, "Whoa." Yeah, yeah. Like I said, Tim would have brought all them through. Yeah. yeah uh, Tim and Les Ferdinand um, would have brought all them guys through. Ryan's, Harry Kane's, they all came through with uh, Tim. Um, so yeah, he says the football is a very small world. I think there's one name which stands out above the rest, though, who came through. Yeah, Hurricane. He's um, was he that good when he was younger? Yeah, he was phenomenal. He was still phenomenal. Yeah, and or was uh, it hard work? Pardon? Was it he developed himself? Because the argument I'd say Messi and Ronaldo is Ronaldo's work harder to where he is now, but yeah. Messi is just just a natural ability. Yeah, I mean, where does Harry Kane fall? I think uh, Harry has a bit of both because I remember watching Harry as a young boy. I remember some days, like if there was a game on um, at the side, the youth team were playing, and I remember watching it and. Harry stood out for me then, in them days. He was just, just a very intelligent football, even in them days, very intelligent football player, dropping into pockets, mm. picking the right passes at 
normally kids that 14, 13, he might have been 13, 14 years old, probably make more wrong decisions. He was making the right decision. And then I remember him coming up to the first team and even doing the shooting drills with like Jermaine um, and Robbie and maybe Berber and Harry being right up there with the finishing. And I remember thinking, he's hitting the right shots. So he's not just going for power. He's actually, okay, this angle now, he's passing it in both sides as well. And you knew he had something special. Yeah. He's, don't get me wrong, he's a phenomenal uh, professional. He works so hard also. So he just took him to the next level. But he definitely was really, really intelligent and really, really good footballer from a really young age. There's that famous picture when he went out on loan to Leicester. Him yeah. and Vardy on the bench. Yeah, it's yeah, like I remember see seeing that picture, yeah. How far both of them have come. Yeah. Um, it's remarkable, really. Yeah, yeah, it is. Both of them, amazing careers. Um, like I said, Jimmy Vardy's still playing now, still scoring goals. I watched him the other week, still looking as sharp as he was. Yeah. Um, and like I said, but Harry's um, really, really intelligent, phenomenal football player. Scoring goals for Bayern. No surprise. Think you He'll think score goals anywhere. Yeah. Harry would score any team. If you have Harry in your team, you, he's going to score. Do you think his career will be extended because of his ability to drop deeper, become a playmaker of sorts, as opposed to being an out-and-out out number nine, who, when your pace goes or something, it might be a bit different? Yeah, I think he could. Like I said, have you seen it? He drops deeper a lot, uh, deeper now already in his roles, and I think his career could probably progress. Rooney was similar, could do the same type of thing. Um, but yeah, I think Harry will play for a long, long time because, like I said, he's such an intelligent footballer. Also, like I said, he can drop into the deep. You know, he can play a ten. You could probably play Harry as that. You could probably even play Harry for a four. His passing range is that good. Yeah. Um, he probably won't want because he loves scoring goals. But um, he's, um, like I said, a really clever football player. And like I said, I won't be surprised to see Harry play until he's forty. You reckon he'll come back to Spurs? I hope so. And I wouldn't put it past it happening. Um, I think I read he's, they've got a buyback clause put in. Um, yeah. Um, it's not. I think they can match. They the... can. They'll have the uh, first refusal. Okay, yeah. So if he was to come back to England, whatever, then... Yeah, I de definitely think it'll be talked about. And I know how much that club means to Harry. So depending on what happens, I wish him all the, well, uh, all the best in Bayern. But yeah. I'm sure that is in his thoughts, I guess. Uh, you mentioned Burbo a few times. How elegant was he? Uh, honestly, from the way he dresses to the way he plays, he's exactly, he's as smooth as you like. The day I first day I met him, I remember coming to training ground and he had his sunglasses on, <laughs> he had a, a blazer, shirt, all perfectly ironed, not a crease, trousers, shoes. And I remember thinking, I, I didn't actually even really know Burbo before that. I'd seen clips of him. Yeah. And, he, and then he went onto the training pitch and he was just as smooth and just as silky and just as composed on and off the pitch as he was on the pitch. Uh, immaculate guy. Uh, uh, and very funny. People don't, uh, didn't get to see. He's seen a little bit more of it now on his Instagrams and his socials. Yeah. But also really, really sharp, really funny guy. Um, but, oh, phenomenal football player. Have you ever seen a first touch better than his? No. It's the best, right? It's the best, yeah, honestly. From anywhere, anywhere. It's like we used to think he had glue on his boots. He would stick to his boot, literally from... He would pull it out of the sky. The one what used to come over the top and he would spring it down from it. And we're just like, wow, Berber. And like I said, then he did, we'd see it in training every day. And then when he'd do it on the match day, everyone was like, wow. And we're yeah. like, he does this every single day with no, without even thinking. There's only two players I think of when it comes to first touch. Burkamp because of that goal that he scored and World yeah. Cup and all that. But uh, Zidane. Yeah. For, His like first said, touch as yeah. well was... And when you, like I said, you put in Berber in that category, but they a sensation. I used to... You used to love watching them because you just knew the ball. Everything would be perfect. Whether it be a first-time pass, whether it be a first touch, it just stick. everything they did, Burkamp, Zidane, 
Berber. It's just everything was so precise, so clean. There's never a bad thing. Mm. If you did see a bad thing, you'd be like, what, what's happened? You'd be so surprised. Like, and that was like, it'd be one in a blue moon. Um, but yeah, it's phenomenal uh, football players. Then, when I think of your time at Spurs, there are three players off the top of my head who I feel went on to become world class. And yep. I mean, best in the world. Yep. Uh, one would be Harry Kane. Yeah, one of the world's best strikers. Yeah, uh, another one would be Luka Modric. Do you remember when he first came through? When he was first arriving? Because I remember talking to a Croatian guy who ended up co who was a coach here in Malaysia, and he said to me, "Album, you know this is good. Yeah, he yeah. very small, but he got Bosnian <laughs> league. He get player of the year, you know. Yeah, amazing player, small but tough. Yeah, yeah. And he said, you look after him. His name was Luka Modric, and yeah. shortly after, he actually signed for Spurs. Yeah. What do you remember about Luka? I remember him. Coming because I remember um, Charlie Koluka, his best mate, was really good friends of mine. Yeah, and I remember him saying, "You won't believe how good this guy is." And I remember thinking, "Yeah, it can't be that good." And I remember him coming in, and the and it's funny because it took him a little while to adapt to the Premier League, but we'd seen it in training. While like, wow, this guy is phenomenal. Like he literally had eyes everywhere. He felt like he had more sets of eyes than anyone else. Um, one of the most intelligent football players I've ever seen. Um, and one who could run the whole game completely. He could literally pick the speed up of a game, slow it down. The tempo is his decision. Yeah. And I've never seen anyone else be able to do that, other than maybe Steve Gerrard, um, be able to control a whole game by himself. Didn't matter who he was playing. Um, but yeah, and even watching him progress, I remember thinking, like, he got there and I remember thinking, wow, this boy's good. And I remember going, he's a different level now. And he was going like that. And like that, and he still is now. Yeah, um, and that's also he just was doing that, and um, amazing guy as well. But um, is he? Oh, really good lad. I remember, like I said, he'd come out for uh, come for meals, come for drinks with us after games, and literally, like I said, really down to earth. Really such a, oh, joining with the banner because um, his upper half couldn't lift a weight. Yeah, couldn't lift a weight. Massive calves but couldn't lift the weight. And so he'd come in with his top off in the gym, <laughs> joking about how big he is, and he's tiny. And um, But now, nah, amazing guy. Really, really good guy. But like I said, um, one of the world's best. Like it's I said, could be my best ever for me. It's I funny, but it's funny that you should say that he took a while to adapt because his first season at Madrid, he was voted the worst signing of the year. Yeah. The worst I'm, signing. Yeah, 100%. And I remember I spoke to him that year, and I remember him saying that he was getting abused out there mm. like literally and i think you said they like said he voted in I think yes. the, the local paper also Marcel or someone, the big yeah. paper yeah that he was the worst ever signing yeah and i'm thinking i was hoping he didn't get sold straight away because i'm thinking they have not seen the luca i know yeah and now he's literally god there well, um so. what, what did you say to him uh, to him at the time no did we just had a general know, conversation it'd become to the summer and i remember just asking him how it's gone and he remember him saying like i've really struggled yeah like the first season i've really struggled and I'm getting uh, like abused and like fans are on me and whatnot, but but I remember him also saying it will come good, it will yeah. come good, and I was like, I know it will, and I'm sure you do, but you, you never know when you're in some of them clubs because you've seen players go and get Woodgate. sold. Woodgate would be the other one for me who went to Madrid, right? Yeah, of course. His and, debut was yeah. horrific. Goal, goal, <laughs> go. Yeah, we used to joke <laughs> with him about it. Um, but another one, like I said, you take away Woodgate's injuries. Yeah. Another player probably. Probably didn't get to see his full potential because another one for me, like I said, him, Rio, Ledley King is still another. I was about another. to say, yeah, Ledley. They're my top three centre-halves of probably all time who I played with. Really? Yeah, in them 
like I said, and if you took Ledley and Woodgate's injuries out as well. Because in terms of leadership as well, I've worked with Woody and he can talk quite a bit. Rio, we all know he can, yeah. he can certainly give as good as he gets, but Ledley was always a bit quiet. And yeah. when I've met him, very quiet as well. Ledley, is, that's a, he's a different type of leader. Mm. So he led just by example, like literally on the pitch. When I first got there as well, he was basically playing without the, the injuries. I think he'd had one in surgery by then, but he was still training every day. And he just led by example every single day. He was the best player. Honestly, every single day he was the best player on the training pitch. Come to the weekend, he was still the best player. And then even when he had his injuries and couldn't train, he was still the best player. And everyone was just like, wow. Um, he was just that different type of leader. But he would also, very good leaders, and he'd come around and speak with you. So he wasn't a big shouter in front of everybody. But if he felt somebody needed a, an arm around them or maybe a telling off mm. or just a... He would just literally go and have a conversation with them and do it in that way rather than being the big shouter what other players are, maybe. So, amazing leader, amazing guy. There's, there's pedigree in his family. Uh, someone who used to live out here is Paul Parker, the ex-Man United, okay, Ben yeah. England, right back. Yeah. That's his relative. Ben Johnson is related to Paul Parker. Oh, really? So I'm presuming yeah. that somehow Levy yeah, King is related. It could be related. a distance cousin, yeah. Yeah, so... <laughs> Good teams um, there. The, ben jo the West Ham one, yeah. um, the player. So oh, the fullback. Not... not the sprinter, yeah, the, the yeah, fullback. yeah, 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 the fullback. So there's, yeah, there's yeah. pedigree to have like three members of the family yeah, all yeah. playing football yeah, uh, at the highest level as well. I should add. Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah. Well, anyway, back to the top three players who I consider world class during your time at Spurs. Yeah. Rio would be at Leeds, not Spurs, of course. Yeah. Brilliant centre half. Yeah. The other one would have to be Gareth Bale. Yeah. Yeah, phenomenal. Like, the funny thing with Gareth, I say these stories to people all the time, is when Gareth arrived, you would have. You could see his attributes, but you never would have expected him to get to the level he got to. But like I said, them couple of seasons where his progression literally went from here to here, and that one season in particular, I've never seen a trans I've never seen a transformation like it in my entire life of a literal player going to a completely different level to everybody, to everybody actually probably in the league at the time. Well, he won the player of the season and yeah, all that, didn't honestly, he? He was the best in the division. He went from literally unplayable. Um, and yeah, like I said, um, uh, amazing player, amazing guy, amazing to watch, uh, amazing to play with. But uh, no, honestly, if Gareth is on it, I don't feel that anybody could stop him. When Gareth was in full flight, you could put him against probably any defender. I don't know if they could stop Gareth Bale. I feel that when I look at him, that it was not just football. I feel like he genetically, he's so gifted, he could try his hand at any sport Gareth, and he, excel. Yeah, I think he's one of them guys, he's, he's one of them people who's good at everything. Like you said, you see him at golf, obviously he's played for a long time, but he's like right up there playing at golf. I remember, he could. I think he can swim, mm -hmm. uh, he's a machine anyway, so he could probably be a power lifter if he wanted to be, he's yeah. that strong. Um, he's an amazing runner, so I, you could tell him to probably do the 100, 400, 800, even long distance. That's the thing with Gareth also, he could not only sprint, he could do the long distance running. Um, but one of them natural all-rounders, good at everything. Actually amazing at everything. Yeah, not that's even the just thing. good, yeah. He just seems to try his hand at something and he'll be brilliant. Yeah, he's um, amazing, like I said, but I, just, oh, I enjoy playing with him so much, honestly. He's a phenomenal football player. What do you make of how he was treated at Madrid, though? I mean, this guy scored not just goals in, say, a 4-1, 5-1 victory yeah. in the Champions League final or whatever, and he gets the fourth or fifth goal. Yeah. He's scoring crucial goals, because I was there for Winning one of his goals, Champions yeah. League. 
His first one. Yeah. Like the SEMA, I was there in the stadium. Yeah. Ramos scored the equaliser. Do you remember against Atletico? Yeah, I can't remember. He's got that many, the thing is, he's got that many winning goals. But you can't, I'm trying to think which one it was. He, uh, Ramos scored the equalising goal like three minutes left, whatever. Okay, yeah. Atletico had been leading almost the entire game. Yeah. And then the crucial goal, which put them in the lead, yeah. causing Atletico to open up yeah. and concede more goals, yeah. it was Gareth Bale. Yeah. He's, uh, yeah. If I remember correctly, yeah, he's got so many. That's I said. That's the thing. He got so many. I remember the over kick. Yeah, uh, oh. and like I said, he's so many match winners. He did one in the one where he took it off the pitch. Yeah, uh, when he literally ran round the fullback onto the Astroturf against Barcelona. By the yeah. way, that was a honestly. Oh. Um, yeah, he got for me. It was very harsh from the outside. Obviously, I don't know, but very harsh for what he did for that team, for what he did for that club, the winners he got in such big games, big competitions. And I know Gareth was the person. He's such a nice. Nice boy, nice lad, nice man. Now he was mm. quite young when I knew him, um, so I would never have seen him to be a disruptive person, disruptive in the dressing room because he was he was never that person. Um, he was such a nice, honest, honest, honest person. So um, yeah, he was treated harshly, but um, I'm sure now they look back and must think what a player he was. He uh, he probably didn't help it or help himself when he posed with the whales. Yeah, <laughs> Golf uh, Madrid. Yeah, poster. I think he can ever. Whoever tipped him into doing that definitely went. I don't think that would have been his idea. No. I don't think that would have been Gareth's idea, but definitely one of the other lads set him up there, definitely. Did you give him a bit of a stick, though, when he went on that, what, almost about that 25 games where Spurs didn't win when he played? That was early on when he arrived. Very early on. And he was a left-back. Yeah, because I think even I think Harry even came out and mentioned it. Yeah. Like, I need to get him on the pitch because we've not won a game where every time he plays. It's a curse. I think there was a bit of banter going around that don't put Gareth on, it's a yeah. job, but... Um, like I said, we, we always supported him. Yeah, he was such a good lad. And he's gone on to prove everybody wrong. Ah, yeah, no doubt. Yeah, those... Anyway, those three names, I mean, yeah. they're all playing together at the same time in their prime. Yeah. Hell of a team. Ridiculous. Hell, hell Honestly, of a team. Honestly, scary, scary levels. Like I said, I was fortunate to play with so many top, top players and they're right at the top of that list. Yeah. When you, when you look back at your time at Spurs, how do you reflect on it? Because there was always that... Potential, but yeah. there was only one trophy to show for it in the end. I know there was Champions League qualification and all that, but yeah. still. Yeah, I still feel, like I said, I feel we should have done more. Um, I also felt we were, sometimes we felt we were just a couple of players light. If we were to get injuries to a couple of key players, which happened in a couple of, couple of seasons, it also affected us so much. Not disrespecting the players, we just didn't mm. have the full squad, which was if one of the key players, like a Luca, Gareth, uh, was to get injured, I didn't, or one of the top strikers who was, we didn't have that squad to take us to that next level. Um, even still, we still should, probably should have won more with that period, but then with that group of players. But I just felt we was just lacking in squad depth, maybe, mm. um, to really manage us to compete. Because when you're playing uh, European competitions and the Premier League, it's so difficult. You need that squad. You need the health squad. You need the right manager. You need everything to go into place because... Um, you play three games in a week normally. You play Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday when you're in the Champions League or Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday. Um, and if you don't have the right squad, then it's it's so difficult to compete on the on the, on the the top level and then to start changing it into winning trophies. Yeah. It's funny because when you talk about the squad at Tottenham, when you lost a big player, you seem to regenerate a new one. When Gareth Bale left, this like, lookalike, I can't remember his name now, uh, came into the team. Yeah. A guy who looked just like Gareth Bale. Uh... Josh, I think his name was or something. Uh, or through. There was a kid, I'm going to show it yeah, to you later. Yeah, that rings a bell when you said it then to me as well. There was a guy who looked just like Gareth Bale. Ah, oh, I can't uh, get him. And then when Carl Walker left, 
the n- next season, suddenly Carl Walker Peters was playing. Was yeah, like, oh, that's yeah. Do, strange coincidence. Yeah, they, they have produced good players. They've yes. got a great academy. That's one thing. They've got a great academy and they do try and use it. Um, and they have brought through really great players throughout the times. Uh, but like I said, Carl Walker Peters. Um, to replace Carl Walker, which yeah, is yeah. really weird. No, they have, like I said, there is some really good talents there. Um, and they do, he's, that's the thing about Tottenham, he's a good club where they are trying to, they're not just going to try to buy the best talents, they are trying to also bring through the academy players if possible. And because now with amazing training ground and all of that, yeah. it probably helps a lot. Uh, what led to your departure from Spurs? Uh, I think you get to that time where you've, sometimes you can be at a club too long. I was there for 10 years and I loved every moment of it. But they did get to a stage a few couple of seasons before it where I maybe felt that sometimes you feel you need a new environment. You can be at a place maybe sometimes too long. You maybe won't say you go stale, but um, you just need that change of a new dressing room, maybe a new environment. Um, and also Pochettino had come in and he decided basically a lot of the older boys and ones were literally, he wanted a younger squad. Mm. And even I was only 28, I think he pretty much decided that he wanted to bring a new style and wanted to play a different shape also. Um, so, yeah, that was basically towards the end of it then. And like I said, it was a bit of both. Um, I remember having the conversation with Daniel and uh, Daniel Levy and he really wanted me to say, and I didn't want to leave, but I think we both came to the end that it was time for me to, to move on. It just felt a bit drawn out because one summer you were one of the names which everybody wanted a picture with on a pre-season tour to the US. The next year, you already gone out on loan to Everton and come back to the club. You weren't even in the squad for pre-season. Yeah. Were you? But yes. that's what, to it, the US again. Yeah, it was literally, that's how it was. It literally was like that. So, like, you read, I went from being literally the season before, like I said, really important player, to literally the following season, part player, to then going on loan, mm. um, which actually went really well, um, to literally coming back and being told, basically, <laughs> your time's up type thing. But also, I'd had a really good time at Everton, and I'd pretty much we'd come to an agreement that I'd love to go there also. So, um, yeah, literally from that pre-season, I was, uh, time was up, really, and I was training with the youth team through the pre-season. Oh. Yeah. Well, I, I, it's obvious why you went back to Everton, why you signed for the club. Roberto Martinez was a manager Martinez, as well, right? yeah. What do you make of him? Because I, I think he still has some critics out there. Yeah. Uh, particularly defensively speaking. Yeah. I don't know. Where do you stand on Roberto Martinez? I really, well, he is a very offensive manager, mm-hmm. but I loved working with him. I thought he was really, really clever, down to attention to detail. Amazing, amazing. Um, he, showed, he had ideas that I had, hadn't seen before. Um, even in the training, um, really, really technical sessions, really, really clever sessions. Um, and I really enjoyed working, but we did play really open football. So I can see why some people maybe didn't like that because he did want people to start playing from the back more than he was probably one of the first managers yeah. to encourage you centre after coming to midfield to play out and take more risk um, and sometimes it backfires um, and I think he was really unlucky I really still believe that was one of Everton's worst decisions in sacking Roberto Martinez then well we look where they are now yeah I, and some people at the time said Ancelotti underachieved there but I think he overachieved given what happened yeah, after yeah I agree yeah I really think he overachieved I honestly still believe that he sat uh, Martinez way too soon yeah. yeah. Um, Marco Silva was there. I forgot about that as well. What he he was able to do at the club. Yeah. Um, there was one manager who I didn't bring up. I want to know what your take on him is. Virch Boas, AVB. Yeah. He's had an interesting career. He wasn't a player. Yeah. He won a trophy in Europe. He went to Chelsea. 
comparison to Mourinho. Yep. Tottenham yep. became a rally driver. Rally long distance. Yeah, loves his cars. One of yeah, those yeah, yeah. dark drivers. Yeah. Did you get on with him? Loved him. ABB. Honestly, right up there. Could be my favourite of all time. Honestly, really? To that level, yeah. Really enjoyed working with him. Amazing manager, amazing man manager, amazing person. Um, amazing training sessions, everything. Um, I absolutely loved working with him. He's right at the top of my list, honestly. Um, down to everything he did. Um, I said he took me to a different level as a player. I also believe he's one who actually really changed Gareth into that position mm. and took Gareth to another level by putting him into that more central role. Um, and I'm, I'm sure Gareth will speak highly of him also. Um, but yeah, for me, he had the potential to be one of the best for me. Uh, so to, still to this day, I'm still surprised he hasn't made it to the level I think he should have probably got to and been that successful because for me, he has everything. Yeah. So uh, I don't think the comparisons to Mourinho help given where they're from, the background and all that, yeah. and Chelsea. Uh, do you wish you had more time with Pochettino? Yeah, I do. Looking back now, I really do. Um, like I said, um, there was no blowout with him, though, right? It was just no. Natural. I think, like I said, it was there was no. Like I said, there was no bad feelings really. I think he, I think he'd come in and pretty much decided this is the way he wanted to play, and he wanted to work with a lot younger group. Also, I'd been there a long time and I was really quite powerful there at the time, and I'm not sure he was too keen on that mm. um, with the influence I had in the room, even though it wasn't a, a bad influence. Um, but yeah, no, I really like I said, looking back and seeing where they went, I do really believe that. I could have been um, really successful playing under him also because even in that short period I have, I've seen really great things in the stuff he was doing. He was still new, as I'm sure he's an even better manager now. And I remember speaking to the players after I left, who I was still good friends with, the likes of Kyle and Danny Rose. And I remember them saying how much even he, uh, Pochettino, had progressed as a manager yeah. from the moment from when he first came. So, yeah, I really wish that I'd, um, I'd got to work under him uh, maybe a bit longer. Yeah. Going back once again to Everton, it's a club that's special for you now, isn't it? Because yeah. we don't have to talk about what happened, of course, yeah. but the mental health issues, but the, yeah. the club backed you. Yeah. And recently there was the Deli Ali, uh, yeah. well, the interview that he gave, yeah, and how now they've backed him as well. Yeah. It's important. Oh, of course, it's massive, and um, I have no problem speaking about it. Um, like I said, I was going through a really, really tough time. Um, didn't want to reach out to anybody. Didn't even really let the club know. Um, until it was too late um, and from once I needed the help they was they couldn't do anything more for me they did everything absolutely everything whether it's keeping it under wraps um, supporting me as much as they could phoning me every day even supporting me as they went back um, and like I said um, and as you've seen with Dell have been amazing for me it doesn't surprise me it's such a it, people say it's a people's club and it is it actually is um, it's very similar to Leeds, actually, in that sense. They're, they're olden clubs, as in, they're just really family clubs. They've changed a lot, I guess, now, Everton has. But when, whilst I was there, that was uh, never going to change. They was amazing, amazing for me, and I'm, I'm sure they're going to be amazing for uh, Dell as well. Were your issues football-related? Uh, probably not so. Uh, more off the pitch. Okay. Uh, yeah, I was, having really, I was suffering really bad with depression, from, and I didn't really realise it. It probably even started while I was, I was in London, towards the end of that period. Um, Your personal life? Yeah, personal basically. life and things off the pitch weren't going great. Um, had a few family issues. Um, so, yeah, it all came at once, really. And then 
I just didn't know how to deal with it. And it just literally got on top until literally I really needed help. I was in a really, really dark, dark, bad place. Um, and like I said, thankfully, I was able to get the help and yeah. everyone supported me all the way through that. Um, and to this day, like I said, it's a massive, massive thing of mine. And I still believe there's not enough done um, for players in clubs now. There still needs to be more uh, help. Uh, it needs to be more open. Um, there's more conversations happening. And I, I've had conversations with the Premier League. I've had conversations with PFA. Um, they're looking at ways to, to improve it. Um, I'm also looking at doing something myself and trying to build a platform which will help everybody actually, but also a platform just specifically for athletes and players, um, which I'm looking into at the minute. Um, and hopefully that we can get that going also. Because for you, for those who are unaware, you actually got sectioned. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's how... That's, I, Sounds wrong for me to say far gone, but I guess it was yeah, that far yeah. gone, wasn't it? Yeah, it's that severe. Um, like some people, some people, like I said, I not really know the story. When people say section, they're not really sure. And like I said, when you get sections on a section two, basically, which I was put on, is basically you've been assessed and they've decided you need medical help and you're not allowed to also leave until the doctor gives you the all clear. So I didn't, even so when I needed the help, I didn't still want to go into the hospital mm. because you're that far not knowing what's going on basically my head was literally all over the place um you were danger to yourself oh 100 i was suicidal 100 yeah definitely really tough time i was in a when i mean on the bottom is the lowest you could be like I, said, I didn't want to be here um and people looking from the outside i tell people this now i speak with and i try to help i say from the outside you'd see oh he has a nice house a car and even my, i have amazing family and friends um but i didn't choose i could hide it away and I was suffering in silence, really, until it was too late. And yeah, so like I said, back to the section section, yeah, it was um, a tough time. Because even, I remember they told me I'd been sectioned, I still didn't even realise what it was until I'd really come round and realised, okay, this is what it actually means. How were they aware? Uh, so I'd, I'd had... The authorities, I mean, how were they aware that to, for you to be sectioned? Because I'd, um, I'd been, the club had um, been coming to see me, I'd been struggling, I'd been missing a few sessions. So the doctor came and see me a few times. Ah. Yeah. Um, and then he put me on to uh, somebody in the hospitals wanting to come and see me. And they was assessing me then. And then basically they, they knew that I needed, I needed help and I was basically put into, yeah. into care. It's just, you never know what's happening behind closed doors. Um, yeah. Like I like music, Chester Bennington of Lincoln Park. Yeah. Uh, there's pictures of him literally like the day before smiling with his family. Uh, yeah. You know? Uh, I was there at the memorial game for Gary Speed. Yeah. I was I never went there. Out. It was an emotional day. Yeah. I don't really remember the game. Yeah. But I just remember people like Shearer and everyone in the centre circle. Of course. And his family. Uh, his poor family and everything yeah. that they went through. Yeah. And I tell people this now. You never know. Like, you, it becomes easier to put a mask on when you've been going through it for a long time. Mm. So I could go into environments and get away with it. Like, the odd time, someone who might know me closely might say, Are you, I mean, you all right? And I could say, yeah, I'm fine, I'm just a bit tired. Uh, but yeah, I can palm it off type thing. So I always tell people, like, as after being through it, I actually sometimes have now noticed it more in people and being able to like ask people if they're actually okay um, and see it. Whereas before, and I would have never noticed it in anybody also, especially in like a football dressing room. There's just so much going on. Whereas you're training, you're into a meeting, there's jokes, banter going on. Mm. You could easily get type of get away with it and then say, oh, see you later lads, I'm off. And um, like I said, that's why for me more needs to be done in, in football environments and in, in workplaces and businesses everywhere. 
to be honest. I don't know if there's enough done for anyone. Um, so yeah, it's, it was, it became easy to put a mask on over time. But like I said, the, when I did get help, it was the best thing I ever did. How did your outlook on football change after all of this? Uh, after being through something which so detrimental to your mental health and then coming out of yeah. it stronger. Yeah. But I'm sure your outlook changed. And I mean, we saw you at Burnley, yeah. uh, you saw you in Turkey, yeah. and then back at Burnley. Yeah. But you, how do I put this politely? Did you realise that football isn't the be all and end all of everything? Yeah, definitely. 100%. Like you said, it's, I, I started to look at everything differently. Like you said, you start to look at, yeah, everything. When you're younger, you grow up and thinking, I can't wait to have that nice car and a nice house and whatever, jewelry and whatever not. As a young kid, that's sometimes what you think. And you realise how much that none of that is important. And you realise how much it's more important is how you look after yourself, mm. your mind, and how you, your circle, your friends, your family. Things that are, these things are the really key parts of things. You can have all the other fancy stuff and material stuff. And honestly, it will not, it will not help you in any way if you're not well... Uh, inside and if your head's not right mm. it doesn't matter you could have anything it might give you a temporary little five minute oh I've got a new car and I'm excited it'll go away within five minutes and then you go back to being unhappy if you're struggling or, or mm. depressed so um, I started to realise how looking after myself and putting myself right and making sure I was doing what's right for me um, and was key to everything else in life and then I also realised by doing that everything else became great again and you start enjoying things again, which you haven't been for such a long term. Yeah, it's so. Yeah, the pressures of being a footballer and all of that. Because I remember when Ericsson, Christian Ericsson, joined Man United, and people were saying, "Oh, handling the pressure at United is different." I'm like, he's literally died on the pitch. Yeah. I don't think football and pressures are really going to matter to him. Yeah. It's like Bruce Brobler was uh, in the army yeah. and he was fighting, and after that, football doesn't really matter. Yeah, even though you're goalkeeper and the pressure, you know. You do, you do start to wear, you look at things differently anyway. Once yeah. you've been through certain scenarios, you start to see, well, that's not pressure. That's not a different feeling. I'm not worried about that feeling. This is a totally different place to be. I think that's a good point to end the show. I, I, I don't actually have time to talk about England career, but yeah, that's fine. England all is underachieved, and I think it's much better to end on a strong message. So I yeah. want to thank you for your time. No Aaron. problem at all. It's been great. Really enjoyed it. Uh, it's been my pleasure, my yeah. honour. And of course, I hope everyone who's been watching the show has enjoyed it as well. Uh, are you on Instagram and all of that? Yeah. You are, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so make sure you look up the man here himself, yeah. Aaron Lennon. Hope you've enjoyed the show. More to come very soon. This is Adam Carruthers. Goodbye for now.